Well, my two-month vacation is over. I came back a week earlier than expected. I was supposed to be back on January 12th for the reporting, and I'm here a week earlier than expected. A month and three quarters. Yeah. Technically, it's my fault Yeah, you should because I wanted this show. And nobody pays attention in group chat because everyone was on vacation. Yeah, we were mailing in like FPF. Uh, it was Monday. literally January 1st. Yeah. Yes. It was before was like, before you said Happy New Year. You said, I want to do another Calling the Audible preview. show. Yeah, we're doing a show. A preview of the preview of the preview. Uh, it is Calling the Audible, the winter 2023 season now upon us. I am back in the nest. I'm Mo Khan. Who are you? Yes. I was about to say I'm Mo Khan, alongside with Iggy Magnets, better known as Iggy Smalls. Uh, PC Delabrizi will be with us as of next week, and Eagle is in the ultimate nest as the uh, quarterback of the show, pushing the button. Hello. Hello, Eagle. Hello, Iggy. Aren't you the quarterback of the show? No, I- Eagle is, because he has the control of the button. So he Isn't he the defensive coordinator, no, offensive he, coordinator? He, he can knob us. So. Mo doesn't understand sports. Yeah. He can knob us, right? <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, so this is not like an actual we're going to recap games. It's more of the... Um, <laughs> well, of course not. <laughs> no, we can't. Because we're well, I mean, games. we could recap the finals. Well, yeah. we, you know, we, we, could, we could recap the uh, scrimmages. Oh, yes. Being playing, right? We can call up someone, hey, how was your scrimmage? And blah, blah, blah. Right? Anyway, it was, it was okay. It was a good the warm-up. The free agent frenzy exactly. and the uh, all-star game. Oh, yeah. That was fun, too. Yeah, I don't care for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no. It's, it's more of a preview of the rules, uh, new rules that we have... Uh, that we have implemented for this season beyond. Uh, we're going to unveil the Hall of Fame class. Is this the Hall of Fame class of 2023 or 2022? 2022. So one thing that we've changed for our Hall of Fame voting is that before we used to do it in the winter season over the Super Bowl break, but effectively you wouldn't count the winter season because we are in the middle of it. And so we made a, a decision to change the way we do our Hall of Fame voting and that we're going to do it at the end of the year, at the end of the fall season. Therefore, you can get the entire calendar's year of seasons uh, associated towards you at that point in time. So, so it's like yeah. the NFL, right, where they go, you, uh, whoever wins this year will be the 2022 NFL Super Bowl champions. Correct. Even yes. So same thing. So technically, this voting was done in 2022. We're just announcing it now. 2023. Yeah. Exactly. When's the Iggy uh, up for uh, eligibility? Oh, it's going to be a long time, my friend. Well, what's longer, the eight-minute drive of his, or uh, his eligibility to become uh, Hall of Fame worthy? That'll take about eight minutes. Yeah. Perfect. Not in this show, though. All right. Uh, let's dive into it. Uh, Iggy, welcome back. Uh, you, you will be part of the show with uh, PZ Nye and Eagle. We'll have a, a rotation. Uh, there will be dates where I will not be here. There will be dates that uh, Iggy will not be here and PZ won't be here and Eagle won't be here. But we'll have uh, a threesome in here. Mm-hmm. In the, That's in not the, the word I would use to describe in it. In the shipping container, yes. At a distance, though. Mm. I thought the threesome was going to keep me warm during the winter time. Perhaps but it now would. it's at a distance, so yeah, I, I'm not sure not anymore. It's not going to help too much. Uh, but let's talk about the overview of the league coming in here, guys. Most importantly, the new rules. And that's where... People take maybe a week or two to adjust the new rules here. So, Eagle, I allow you to unveil the new rules, in particular the onside rule, which was uh, used as a, as a guinea pig in the Fall Cup of 2022, which people did like. It brought a different element to the game of strategy. And now we made an adjustment to this rule for the winter season and beyond. So let's uh, dive into this here, guys. Yeah, so... For those who are looking for the rule, by the way, if you go to the website, you can go under the resources tab. Underneath there, we have documents. You're going to see two different rule books. One is the official rule book used by the referees to administer the game. So these are the actual rules of how uh, FPF is played. And then we have the roster regulations, what I like to call the captain's handbook, which is dictating how we process your team from an administrative perspective, how jerseys work, how games played work, how the cap works, etc. So those, definitely check them out. Um, so we have the rule book with the winter version, and then the administrative rule right now, it's our September 1, we'll be updating this very shortly. There's not a lot of changes this time around, admittedly, in the uh, administrative rule book. The biggest change that's made on this one, just yeah. pointed out now, is you are no longer restricted of playing in a numbered division only on one team. What that means is if you're playing in Division 5A, as an example, you are allowed to also play in 5B. In the past, you weren't able to do that. You could only play on either 5A or 5B. Now you can do both. And you can play on as many teams as you want in as many divisions as you want, provided it's only one team per division in that fashion. So you yeah. can't play two teams in Div 1. 
Exactly. exactly. I picked up a free agent on uh, from 5B because I'm playing 5A. Look at that. The, the, the free trade agreement has begun with 5A and 5B. It's, it, on, honestly, just uh, in 10 seconds, it's really good to get a replacement because before, by not being having, a, by not being able to take someone from five B, like mm. a third of my pool of potential players was wiped out for no good reason. Because I'm never going to play those teams in five B. Right now, it opens up to you know replace me at quarterback, replace another receiver, et cetera. Right. Yep. So feel free to read through this as a captain. There's a lot of stuff in here in terms of roster rules, attendance, forfeits, try and avoid them, the ratings, co-ed rules, uniform rules, etc. Check that all out. Um, I'll specifically call out the uniform rules just for a second. We know for a lot of teams, your jerseys are still being processed or you're in the uh, process of receiving them, whether shipping or producing, whatever it happens to be. Week one, we usually give buffer because we know not everyone has them in time. Week two is usually picture week. So by then, we want you to have them. And then past week two, you're definitely in uniform violation. Yeah. So keep an eye on uh, making sure you have a jersey to get your games played. And the number of games this year will be five, right, for eligibility for winter Correct. season? Correct, yes. So five yes. required to be playoff eligible for your teams or team, depending on how many you play on the winter season. Okay, so let's dive into the new rules. And the one that has been – the the rule has really changed the dynamics of the FPF world has been the onside kick or the onside pass. I don't know what you call it. Uh, onside attempt. Onside attempt. There you go. It was brought in for the Fall Cup. Mm. It brought a different element of strategy, as I said before. Uh, it kept games more relevant, you know, whether it's at the beginning or at the end or whatever it is. Uh, and we saw some wins come from it, right? People did like it. It, it definitely brought uh, a different look to it. So, gentlemen... Eagle in particular, uh, what is the new adjustment to the onside rule for the FPF winter season coming up? So the biggest change that we've made in terms of the onside kick is that it now is a play that is only available after a touchdown. Now, that's always been the case, but it replaces a convert attempt now requires using a timeout. And if unsuccessful, finishes the play at point ball dead. So those are the major changes. So what does that mean from a rulebook perspective? On the rulebook, if you take a look, 13.2 explains when you can actually do this. So a touchdown will count for six points and it will be followed by a point after touchdown, also called a convert attempt, or an onside attempt. So what does this mean? You score a touchdown, the ref is going to say, one or two or onside. Those are your choices. Okay. And just to clarify, because you know how some people are. Let's say captain goes, I'm going for a one-point attempt. Doesn't hit it. He can't go for the onside kick after. He cannot. It is now a choice. One point, two point, onside. Okay. So In theory, you can also decline. You can choose yes. to not have right. one. Is, is there a time window? Like, you know how <clears throat> some sometimes there was a gray area where the referee set the cones, but then team that just scored that went on defense oh i want to go onside kick nothing like that because it just in the same way you scored a touchdown the refs will come ask you right. do you want one or two you can say onside at that point okay so okay. to clarify again here the onside kick will only be administered after a score but then the ref will offer you either one two or an onside kick option yes correct? and in theory they might not offer it to you but it's an option available to you like they might say one or two and you say onside right and, and where oh. where you take it on the field is where from the five so yard thing that's where we get into what is now the point, or what was the point after touchdown section, but is now 13.7 for convert or onside attempt. So after a touchdown, the scoring team has the choice to either go for a one point convert from the five yard line, like today, go for a two point convert from the 10 yard line, like today, decline a, a, a attempt a convert, like today, or here we go, under certain conditions further described below, once per game, per team, elect to make an onside attempt to retain possession. And then there's logic, like you mentioned, Mo, in terms of if they've already uh, made their uh, request and they want to change it, they have to use a timeout. So that's also part of it. So here are the conditions for onside attempt. A team gets one try from their own five-yard line to advance the ball past midfield. So you still need to get to the midfield mark or further. It uh, is still at your five-yard line, so that part hasn't changed. The part that has changed is a team must have a timeout remaining to request an onside attempt. 
Requesting an onside attempt stops the clock and consumes the timeout. The clock will start on the snap of the onside attempt. So think of it as you scored the touchdown. Now they got to set up the bags on the other side of the field. So we're using a timeout in order to do that such that it speeds up. I mean, the clock doesn't run, so you can't just kill time by trying to do yeah. this. And just to clarify here, gentlemen, uh, you need to have timeouts to use the onside kick. Is that correct? Yes. yes. So if you have zero timeouts, you cannot go for an onside okay. attempt. If you have one timeout, you, you can call it, and it will burn your one timeout as well. Right. So you're left with zero after the onside attempt. So how many onside attempts can you do in a game then? Two then? One. Just one. one. Just one. one. Okay. Yeah, so one, that's sure. it. Because you know how it is, right? Teams are, oh, I have two timeouts, why so can't I use two onside kicks, right? So I want to make sure about that. Yeah. So then, next. If attempted in the last five plays, an onside attempt consumes a play. Conversely, if Team A wishes to make an onside attempt after scoring a touchdown on the last play of the game, they may do so as long as they still have a timeout. So what does that mean? If you score on the last play of the game, and let's say you're down by three or something, yeah. they're going to say one or two. You can say onside, assuming you have the timeout and you haven't done it yet, right. and you'll have one Hail Mary play essentially at the end of the game. Okay. Then... If Team A chooses an onside attempt, they may not punt on the play. You must run a, skimmage, a scrimmage play. If you are successful, you retain possession at the point ball dead and obtain a first down. If they do not make it to midfield or if the opponent intercepts a pass, the opponent takes over at the point ball dead. All right, so let's give so an that, example. That second point is a major change because beforehand Huge. it was either the offense got the ball wherever they got the ball to, essentially past midfield, or the defense got the ball at midfield. Sacks didn't change anything. Interceptions didn't change anything. Tackling someone didn't change anything. Uh, incomplete pass, got it at midfield, essentially. Now, position on the field actually matters. So let's say you go for an onside kick, and the pass is incomplete. Your opposition gets the ball at your five-yard line now. Not at midfield, at the five-yard line. If it's passed and intercepted and returned to midfield, then you get it at midfield. If it's knee down in the end zone, they get it at the 10-yard line, essentially, 10. Right? Yeah, right? So it's like usual rules as if it was a regular play in terms of at the end of the play, depending on who has the ball and where the ball is, that's where change of possession or retaining possession will start from. Okay. Yeah, it's like a 4th and 25 attempt or 4th and 20. Right, whatever. right. And uh, so essentially, as Eagle said, and I know people are going to be a little yeah. bit confused by it, but – you must have a timeout in your back pocket to utilize the onside kick. Yes. The referee will ask you that question after a touchdown, whether you go for one, two, or onside kick. Now, the timeout is utilized. You go to your five-yard line. You must get it to at least midfield. Yep. Or you can score on the play. You can score on the play, but, but at, at least, least midfield. midfield to maintain or, or keep your drive alive here for you to have a lifeline. And then from there, if you don't score or you don't convert, at minimum, the team could get the ball back at your five-yard line. And start off literally in the red zone about the score on your team. Correct. And then last thing, I'm gonna I'm not gonna read through this, but the big other thing that's part of this is the defense can score on onside attempts now. Beforehand right. they couldn't. It was just considered unsuccessful. Mm. Now anyways, no. No, but anyways. Anyway, uh, so now you can actually score if you return it, for example. Or right. same thing if you get a safety, that would count, blah blah blah. And then there's a gigantic section here in terms of how penalties work. I am not going to read through this. Neither am I. But onside penalties are weird, is what I'm gonna summarize it All as. Right. Just read up on that rule, so we won't go through that, though. Okay, so onside rule is uh, has adjusted itself and uh, hopefully will bring a little bit more flow to the game. And now more strategy involved. Now, yes. Iggy, you are a man of great wealth of quarterback play. Uh, how does this, uh, from your gathering of information, do does the community like the onside rule? For the most part, yes. I mean, there was one or two comments uh, a little too gimmicky and whatnot, but it added a different element to the game. What we found, though, was that it needed to be tweaked, and I think we made the tweaks in the right place uh, in order for it to not be so gimmicky and not be utilized so much in the first half, you know, to gain an extra possession. Because, honestly, if you didn't successfully get convert the onside kick, yeah. giving the team the ball back at midfield wasn't such a great penalty, at least not such a great penalty as for the reward of retaining possession. Right. Now the penalty of being the your opponent now being on your own five yard line, you're almost giving up six points if you don't score. So you're really now only going to use this as a last, uh, you know, within the last four minutes, five minutes of a game where you're down two possessions, 
and you don't you don't want to give the ball back and uh, to the other team get a stop taking up time leaving you with like a minute and you have to score again it just it really the the tweaks really make it so that you use it at the end of the game when you're down by two possessions and you're trying to make a comeback it also uh, influences the way you use your timeouts because yes, yeah. especially in the upper divisions yeah. let's say it's the end of the first half you're using timeouts to get extra plays or to you know try and force your opposition to burn plays in order to leave you with as little as possible so it's a whole different way of using timeouts so now if you do that well at the end of the game if you need to have that chance to come back it's not available to you mm-hmm. right so there's a little bit of that gamesmanship that comes in in terms of the clock management becoming way more important as you start moving up yeah, and, and you know this might be more influential in, in the higher divisions, like say in All Stars. If, if uh, Kevin Wyeth, who loves to use his timeouts in the first half, may have to kind of uh, concede that and take it in the second half here. But uh, definitely, All Star rule will be something to look out for, which is now moving forward. Yes, Eagle. And the other change I want to talk about specifically. There's a few other ones in the rule book, which again you should be looking for if you go into the rule book. By the way, any of the changes you're gonna see with the uh, strike through and then the italics for the change in the rule. So 2.7 and 2.8, I'm specifically calling out here because this is the no pockets, no jewelry rule. Oh yes, we made oh, a big. change this year, as of winter 2023, that if you are caught. With pockets or jewelry, you will be asked to leave the field to change your pockets or remove your jewelry, and you cannot get back on the field until that's that's resolved, essentially. There is a five-yard penalty that is applied against your team on the subsequent possession. What does that mean? If your opposition is caught with pockets because you told the ref, ref, this guy has pockets. That penalty is not applied on the next play. It is applied on your next possession. So you can't use it to pin your opponent back in an opportune position because this is supposed to be a safety rule. And what some teams were doing is trying to monopolize the application of this in opportune moments. So you know someone has a chain, for example, and you wait until a big play or right until it's like a third and whatever. So you can force either that guy off the field or to back uh, back them up so you can get extra advantage on that play. So now, as long as the person can get off the field to get to fix whatever it is and get back on the field in t- without burning the play clock, essentially, they're technically good to continue, and the five-year penalty is applied on your next possession as a team, essentially. So it's a different way of thinking about the penalty. We still want to keep the safety aspect there. We want you to you know tell the referees if you see someone on the opposite team uh, that has a problem. We want to fix that problem as fast as possible. And we still want to penalize teams for having done that. So this is the approach we've taken this time around. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else for rules? That's it? There's a bunch of other things in here. Some of them are kind of small. There's an update on the way we do tip balls. Um, but again, not like last time, so it should be okay. But those are like the, the main things that are kind of like the, the big changes. All right. I can't think of anything else, eh? So, no. uh, game day protocol. Uh, this is something that will have to be. I know it's gonna be tough at first here, but for places like Brossard, St. Leo, uh, we have games in Papineau. Uh, we, yeah. we have games in Ville Saint Laurent. Yes, 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 so, yes, yes, yes. So essentially, guys, it's very straightforward here, and even Lachine for uh, for soccer. For the opening window of games of that night, you must in Brossard and in the city owned fields like St. Leo and of course Papineau and Ville Saint Laurent. You must change and wait outside the facility before entering the field. So, you, if for for if you're playing in Papineau, if you're playing in Ville Saint Laurent, playing in Brossard, you gotta wait outside until that preceding event, whether it's baseball, soccer, whatever it is, is completely off the field because they don't want to have us changing the football field, and then the parents get uncomfortable with un- uncomfortable with it, which I completely understand from their viewpoint with their kids uh, practicing and whatnot. So please change before you come to the field and please give the preceding practice its time is due right because we don't want to infringe on their time and that becomes a big hassle for all of us and I have to become mediator with the coaches who kind of crap on me because Iggy over here is throwing the football on the sidelines thinking he's Joe Montana out there trying to get ready for the 6pm game here so please respect the rules before you come on the football field wherever you are um, also Eligibility, remember, it's five games. We emphasize this all the time. Every year. I get mocked at for for reminding people like a mother, but you must keep track of your games played for your roster. And we, you know what, we might do it every week now. We might remind everyone. I think we should. And you have, if you see that there's something wrong 
on your roster, you have seven days to contest it. Because scorekeepers, you, Mo, how many games do you do uh, in we're one oblivious. night? We're oblivious to whatever. You know, you, in one week, you're doing maybe up to 15 games. Yeah. If you, do you know, if you're, if you're doing a lot. If you ask me to remember 100 games ago of, yeah, but th- this guy was here, you're likely not it. to remember, you know? So, it. like, you have that seven-day window to contest whether someone was there, uh, whether they were wearing a, a jersey, because... Believe it or not, like you, you again, we make fun of Mo, but every year, come playoff time in April, in the uh, end of March, we have teams emailing us f- saying in week two, our, our guy showed up, but uh, there was an issue with the scorekeeper, blah, 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 blah. It, it always happens. And then teams contest, hey, this guy wasn't playoff eligible, and now all of a sudden he is, what's going on? And, and it's just, just get it done, check it. Every you guys week. check. You guys check your stats every night. We know we love. We we play. We love the game. We check our stats. Check the roster. Check to see who got the game played. Check to make sure everything's legit. Yeah, yes, you go. So one thing that's going to be slightly different this year is you no longer, as a captain, need to submit your roster online. You actually go see the scorekeep, and they will enter in your roster on the spot. Mark who's there, etc. So what you should do is confirm and ask them to read back the names that they've selected and who's getting the games played. If someone does not have a jersey, they should tell you this person isn't getting one and you should resolve it. That way you can deal with it in the situation. So we're going to be, what I'm going to describe as very less tolerant for any complaints about missing games played because you have the opportunity with the scorekeeper to address it. It obviously happens. Someone unchecks something by accident, miscommunication, etc. But it should be a very, very, very rare occasion that actually happens. It should almost always be correct. And just check your roster every week for that as well. So that's that's pretty much about it. Again, five games played. Uh, the start dates are Jan 7th and 8th. Regular season ends March 21st, if I stand correct on that, Eagle. Uh, I, I believe that's correct, something and like that. Finals will be April to it's be determined. The, I want to say week of April twenty fourth. I think it's oh the God, we're still trying to figure so out whether, which of the weekends it actually is. Oh, we got to figure that out, Eagle. You and I both may not be there. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Peas and I will carry. You might no. have to carry the whole weekend. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Let's dive into it. We're gonna do a quick, like, um, literally, like a quick jaunt through uh, the divisions here. There's a boatload to get to. Uh, and then we'll get to the Hall of Fame announcement for the class of 2022. Last thing, Mo, before yes. we get into it, uh, yes. the one thing that has not changed is the roster verification. So please use this to enter in your roster and make sure that it is cap compliant. You'll see the divisional cap here on the left and the quarterback caps on the right. Quarterback caps aren't automatically assessed, so keep that in mind. But as you type in player names, uh, they'll appear. You can pick whether you want to apply the quarterback rating or the offensive rating. And so as you you do this, um, it'll actually build up for the roster itself, and we'll figure wow, out. Wow, exactly I'm still at 77? Better than Iggy? On offense. That's geez. amazing. How All right. You, how are you a 66? I'm back, baby. On, how are you a 66 on D? I know. That's crazy, eh? I heard you were a legit uh, rusher in, in your day. I am insulted by this. Eagle has a higher. You're the, you have the same defensive rating. That's amazing. I'm 77, 78. That's amazing. So, so captains are probably familiar uh, with, with this tool. Uh, my God, I've used it like a hundred times, uh, just trying to create my uh, my division five and four team. Uh, so you're probably saying, yeah, I already know how to use this. Use this especially when you're trying to sub in uh, someone else. Uh, if if one or two of your guys can't make it or girls, uh, use this tool for your subs before you head out to uh, to play your game to make yep. sure you're cap compliant. And so remember, it's the top six players on offense and the top six players on defense that count. So this calculator is automatically removing my offense and removing uh, Pease's defense here. <laughs> so this roster's cap would be 429.5 and 398.6. So this is the one that matters, which means that we would be a Div 4 team who's, given who, this roster. Who's a better cover corner, Simon Dachene or Paulo De La Roca? Oh, Simon for sure. Although what I'm curious <laughs> about is who's a better rusher, Mo Khan or uh, Eagle? Because we oh. have the same defensive rating. I know. That's crazy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Div one talent over here, yeah, apparently. Another day. I don't another know, day. man. Another story for the day. Okay. Let's dive into quickly here. Um, <clears throat> sorry. Division one. Uh, eight teams. Uh, different playoff format. It is now seven that qualify. So the, there's only one bye, which is the number one seed. And two will take on seven. Three versus six. Four versus five. So we're, we're adopting the NFL 
playoff format uh, this year to try it out. But also a little wrinkle this year with when it comes to the scheduling format. I know mm-hmm. some people are a bit uh, perplexed by what we did. So what we did was, with the eight teams here, we kind of broke it down to two groups of four, right? Um, sort of like the better or the powers, I guess, in one group. and Higher the caps. Higher caps. And the, the teams that are sort of in the middle to lower end in a different group. Essentially, if you're in the higher cap group, you're going to play your teams six times in total, the other side four times, and vice versa for the lower cap to play each other six times and the crossover four times. It gives you 10 games. The idea was implemented in 2016 where we actually came down to the final day of the season where you saw three teams in play for the number six spot, and at the end of the day, I think DK had won the championship that year. So the number one and the number two seats did not even qualify for the finals itself. And so that's the idea behind this here, uh, Iggy. Do you think it will create more parity within the division that now, perhaps if you are, I don't know, an all-boys team or double straddle, you might end up with four, five, maybe six wins and be maybe the four seed? Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's the right move. You know, just playing more competitive games week in, week out, just it'll create nice storylines, competitive storylines throughout the season. And the goal is to bring it down to the final weeks of the season. And I think that that will accomplish that. So uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, I think I don't, I don't think there'll be an undefeated team. Uh, I think seven might get you one. I, I think eight will for sure get you the one seed. Seven could be a nine and one team. Nine and one, nine, nine Maybe. wins hundred percent. Nine yeah. wins will get you. But I think in terms of the baseline to win the, the, the one seed seven could, I think eight will. Yeah. Yeah. I think eight's that 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 that's magic sweet spot. number. Yeah. yeah, that to hit. I think for for playoffs spot number seven, which now creates more relevancy for the eighth spot, because you know how it is in years past. If you're only gained six and you're two and eight, you may not qualify. I think that bottom line Mendoza entry point for a playoff spot could very well be three, if not four wins. Because oh, again, four is a lot. But that's the whole point, though, yeah. right? Because you're going to play sort of that that pod, right? Which kind of cancels each other out here, yeah. and you can get yourself. Like here, like KHP Plus, uh, they're in the lower pod group, but they yeah. might benefit because they might end up being eight and two, which would knock out one of the so-called top four teams, right? Interesting, yeah. It, it, yeah there's yeah, that yeah, whole yeah. notion of that. And yeah. I, th- I think also when you, when you think about that top four team, there might be one of those top hitters that might end up being a six seed. And they might end up playing, yeah. you know, yeah. um, you know, Flagmore Sack versus Kangaroos in the first round, right, right, where right. in years past it would have been maybe your semifinal game. Yeah, yeah, and we all we all know that uh, KGP is gonna beat the Braves, so that's uh, kind of one win in their yeah, pocket right there. Exactly. And sp- speaking of the Braves, we had uh, I have to do him some justice here. He wanted to know he being Mike Piercein, uh wanted to ask a question. Who? Mike Piercein. Who is Mike Piercein? We'll we'll find out maybe later. Uh, he wanted to ask a question, Mo. Uh, where's Jesse Dupuis in Division One? If we can uh, talk about it for twenty thirty seconds here. It's a question for you. He's uh, he wants to know where's Jesse Dupuis in in Division One. I don't know. Okay, Eagle, where's uh, <laughs> Jesse Dupuis? <laughs> I don't know what you, to tell you. Do you think I like have the registration magic wand or something, and he I want, can place people where I want them to? He wants or? to know why Jesse Dupuis is not playing in Division One, and he's staying in Division Two. He well, well to to because the roster fits? Question mark. Yeah. To Mike's to Mike's defense, what he was suggesting is he's good enough, and his team is good enough. The Urgence Medzik franchise is good enough to play in Division One, so he he wanted to know where where are they? Well, they're in Division Two. Uh-huh. So uh huh. So eventually, it'll be in Division One. I mean, it is winter time, right? So I yeah. mean, a lot of old people slip on ice and crack their hips. So maybe they're out saving lives. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Anyway, right, I, that could be you one day. You never know. You never know. Exactly. Make sure you salt your walkways. It's pretty slippery today. Uh, Div Two. You mentioned James Drysdale and Phil Farrell. Um yeah, are they, are they, they are on the, the cusp of yeah. yeah greatness? I think they both had different styles of play. So, are you implying they're not already great? No, in terms in terms of Division One no. level, right? Like they they they're people. I know, I know. I won't say who, but I know an established quarterback in Division One wanted yes one of these two players, and that well, player kind of was conflicted, and he said, "I can't. I'm committed to so and so. I can't join your team this year." Right. Well, I mean. Uh, they are playing together on a certain team in Division Two. Yeah. Uh, so uh, James Drysdale uh, is being uh, is being thrown to by Kevin Wyeth in Division Two with vengeance. Uh, Phil Fada 
I don't believe is on Party Crashers Blue. Uh, he was on the Party Crashers last year. I believe he's only playing in Division One with this Kangaroos, year. Kangaroos, I believe, right? Uh, no, with Party Crashers, maybe. Oh, maybe he's with Blessed when with Stephen Harrison. I'd have to double check that. But both are playing in this division. Both are kind of the question was like that they're both. I think the next wave of Division One players, they're both you know relatively young in their in their twenties. Uh, I think they have the talent to. I mean, they already are and and have been playing in Division One, but to be that upper echelon, the top two percent of uh, of FPF, I, I think yeah. they're on their way there. It's going to be fascinating. Division Two has a lot of teams, and I think there's a lot of unknowns, right, of what could be. There, there are some favorites. There are some established teams for sure, but there's yeah. still some unknowns. Division Three, yep. Adam Sinagra, Blackouts, came up short in the Fall Cup. They add Quay Johnson, who uh, he knows very well from their uh, tackle days. Um, That's scary. Yeah, it definitely adds a different dynamism to the team, right? More cutting edge with uh, Quay Johnson. I think they were lacking that with Blackouts. They didn't have really a, a dynamic – uh, it was Ryan Vanslet, their Vanslet, number one. Yeah. Right, but he's more of the uh, – he's not an, ex- an explosive player. I think he's a right. great player. I yeah. think Quay Johnson is an, an explosive player. He, 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 that's the type of player that puts you over the edge. Yeah, so does that put – I mean, not, not as in a bad way. No, no, <laughs> it, or, no, no, no <laughs> yeah. over the edge of being legitimate contenders. Yeah. And does that make them a legit contender then? I, I, th- I absolutely think so because it didn't even cost them a uh, – uh, a Michael Kazaka, he's still on the team. Ryan Vanzelitz on the team, so like they kept the core, just added Quay Johnson. That that fits now. Ryan Vanzelitz in that wide receiver two hole puts Kazaka in the three hole. Are you kidding me? Kazaka in the three, like that, that's that's really good. And and already guys are just just better suited now in in their roles. Like my God, this is a scary team. Yeah. Uh, but there's them. There's Stephen Harrison and his uh, preach. Team, I believe there's a new look junkyard dogs team that lost the Submergent Brothers, but uh, I believe they added that Riley Pinecone, uh, uh, a few other guys on, onto the squad. Not, they're not Submergents, but no. uh, they, it's going to maybe be a, an adjustment for Division Three junkyard dogs. All right, so Div Four, uh, there's some first box. time in a while, by the way, a single Division Four. Yep. We didn't hit our threshold to split teams, so that's a little bit unique this time around. Fantastic. It's hard to find a replacement quarterback without it. Yes. Um, so you got some box office names in this division. Isaiah Lard, Mark Pearson, Dawson Pierre. Um, depending on what he does, if he's going to play full season, I'm not sure with Concordia commitment. Rocco Cristiano, Zach Zwerin, Will Power, James Drysdale, as we mentioned before. So is this the best of the best we've seen for this division in a while? I mean, for the time I've been on the kind of the media side of things, I have to say yes. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel uh, covering the uh, FPF for a little bit longer than I have, but that having Division One and Two names like like especially the Isaiah Lard and, and Mike Pierson, like these two are legit legit guys, right? Yeah. As, as where maybe we'll find out. Um, and they're playing Division Four, like that that makes Division Four just really strong. Yeah, I think I think Division Four with it now being one division, it'll be fascinating to see. I think you might see a separation of teams of the best of the best in the middle and the lower end. Mm. But the the aforementioned names definitely will be very influential, and I think they can bring uh, a cutting edge to their teams that can definitely make them much more fun to watch. I think Division Four will be fun with no split this year, but we do have a split in five A and five B. Yep. So in five A, uh, see the turf toes. You and I called that game, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. where the three possession uh, jinx came into play, where they <laughs> lost. In the tier four finals, okay. So mindset wise, does this hurt them or does this give them more motivation to kind of come back with a vengeance? Uh, let's see. They definitely want to redeem themselves, uh, but I think they need a good start to the season. If if they start out of the gates zero and three, man, are they going to start? You know, in the back of their head, start thinking uh, of man, are are did we make a jump too soon? Is this the you know the right spot for us? Um, I I believe in the team. Uh, it, this time, I don't believe it's being led by Vincent Chung at the quarterback position. They're either going to go with Seb Noel or um, Simon Imbach, uh, one of the two that have quarterback in uh, in the teams in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if things start well, I think they're, they'll be fine. I think they are capable of, of being uh, a six and four, five and five, seven and three kind of team. Uh, definitely a, a playoff team. But man, if if things don't go their way early. They they might start doubting themselves just a little bit. 
In 5B, what could have been? Uh, there were a winter team in 2020 in 6D that tore it up. So do they have the bring back the band mentality and go on a massive rock tour that will rock this division this year? I'm really interested to see what, what they're capable of doing You know, against teams like Vic in a Box, uh, Killer Rays, Penetrators, a bit more of a established teams that have moved up the ranks. What could have been? They were. I was covering the division in in that COVID winter twenty twenty season. They were tearing teams apart. Yeah. They were putting up thirty, forty points a night. Uh, so I'm really interested to see if they're able to to keep up that that killer mentality, or are they going to be a you know a three and seven type of team that that's just not able to keep up. From what I saw back then, they definitely have the talent. All right, Division Six, our homie Frank. Colotera. Yeah. I, can't, I can't pronounce his first Teoli. Teoli, right. I always yeah. say Teoli. Yeah, it's fine. It's close enough. Uh, dominating Division 6. Oh, boy. This is like the depths of the depths of, the, of divisions. I think, I think it's more, he's more suited for it. And don't discount Division 6 for being bad. It's not a bad division. Like, Division 6, it's it, I like I said for Division 4, it's like the strongest as we've seen. Every year, Division 6 just keeps getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Like, teams... That are, or even that, that are new, either they've played uh, some sort of football in their past and, uh, and are athletic and, and whatnot, or they're, they've been now playing uh, flag football in the high schools. So they're, they're coming in kind of better than ever. Uh, so, I, I, look, will he tear it up? In, I, I believe also in winter 2020 in that what could have been uh, season that I just talked about, uh, he, he was playing very well, Frank was. Uh, so expect him to have another type of season like that. Well, he was putting up like four, four, uh, a four TD to one INT ratio where, you know, like last season, it was a one to two, not two, well, like not even two to, to four. one. Like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of re- reverse inverse numbers there. Yeah. So he, it's definitely where he suited. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's where you can grow your confidence. Uh, he was trying to push his boundaries just a little too much. I think this is the the right division for him. I think he can have, find a lot more success and uh, and raise his confidence as a quarterback. Yes, Eagle. Uh, for the Division Six teams who are coming in for their first season, uh, if you feel that the game is very hard to learn, we understand. There's a lot that you have to absorb. There's a lot of teams that know what they're doing. You may not. That is okay. Reach out to the staff. We will help you out. We're so happy to be there to try and let you know what's going on, to try and figure out uh, systems that will work for your team. Um, so definitely reach out to us. We will help out along the way. And Iggy, something you mentioned earlier about how Division Six is getting stronger every single year. Uh, we actually had to start rating junior players because they yep. were starting in Division Six and just tearing it up. So we started giving them ratings in advance just to try and prevent that from happening. There, I'm just in 10 seconds. I'm scorekeeping some FPF junior games. Holy crap, some of these kids are really good. Like, really, like, better than some Division Six teams that I've oh, yeah. seen play. It's crazy. These guys are crazy. These kids, man, they're crazy talented. Well, speaking of junior, on the opposite side of the spectrum, 35 plus. Uh, <laughs> so the Castro boys, Ryan, Derek, uh, they come back. And we know Ryan, unfortunately, did suffer an injury in his last go-around here. I think it was just after COVID. Uh, it was during the COVID year. Fall. Fall, oh, yeah, 2021. He an injury, yeah. and Derek Kastner was a quarterback. Uh, do they still have the success to make a comeback and be be good at it this year? I think so. Um, it's it's very quarterback heavy. Uh, I find uh, thirty five plus with with a lot of with a lot of good quarterbacks playing. Um, I can definitely see them. You know, with a six and four, seven and three kind of record. Um, a lot will depend on the quarterback play. How 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 well he can adjust. I mean, is it, is it? You guys would know more than me. Like, are these not the players maybe that he's played with or against? When he was playing, what is it now? Ten years ago, yeah. Seven, there, there's some five, like, you know, five to seven years ago. Glads, Pretty much, honestly. Yeah, like. the Glads might be a team to watch out for and stuff. Uh, Monsters, yeah, like Blevins. He's played all these guys before, so he knows what to do and stuff. Carl Denis, he's he's gone up against as a rusher quarterback battle here. Uh, Lapierre, of course, he knows Corey Cook, of course, Craig O'Brien. Yeah, he knows. Right. Guys. So like, 
so it'll kind of be like a flash in the pan, like uh, or Back to the Future kind of uh, yeah. uh, event for him. You but know, you got, the, you got the Glads roster there, if you don't mind. Uh, uh, yeah, I was just gonna say, I'm, yeah. I'm expecting to see like Alex Lever and. Uh, yeah, I'm just curious who was on that Glads roster. See if uh, if we have yeah, Lever, yeah. Moreau, Lebo, yep, JF Trudeau. Yeah, yeah, they might be they might be the favorites to win that division. When you huh. think about it, right? You know, you got uh, the Skier and Frank Lebeau. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Uh, co uh, sorry, co-ed divisions. We got three this year. Correct? Yeah, awesome. C the turnout was co-ed one, co-ed two, co-ed three. So co-ed one is the best of the best here. Neto Pierce Mayer. Uh, what do we expect here from this Power Rangers? Uh, do we have a favorite? Or are we looking at this, this more ended? <laughs> well, I don't know, Eagle. If what you were going to say, but I think a lot of teams came into co-ed. One, b- like building teams to take down the Power Rangers. They're maybe they're kind of tired of seeing them win. What is it? I don't know. What are they on four in a row now uh, in the highest of coeds and uh, take down their championship? I, I see teams like uh, Kiss My Outlaws, even Le Pits Fuck. They won in the Fall Cup. Uh, are, are are they a contender? Um, uh, like like you said, you uh, Puis Mayer. These guys are now playing in, in co-ed to, uh, to take them down the, in the Northern Braves where Meyer is playing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see how this division uh, shapes up and then who's able to dethrone the Power Rangers. Right. Just, just looking at this list of teams of the 13, just by name and by like franchise association, there's about eight that I immediately rank high, and I don't know which one yep. is the best one. And that's yep. not even looking at some of the teams I don't know, which, like you mentioned, Northern Braves be one of them that is probably should be on that list, right? So, yeah, this yeah, is going to be a very tough one to figure out. It's the Braves with Mike Persin yeah. and uh, Lorian Beauchamp, Clara Baudouin. Like, <laughs> even Mike Persin is asking me, like, uh-oh, I, uh, Clara Baudouin's QB rating is higher than her receiver rating. Can she throw a pass? I'm like, well, if she throws a pass and completes it, her the highest, the higher of the two is going to kick in. So, uh, so uh, yeah. Coed two, coed three. A lot of teams. So could it be more unknowns in this lower divisions of coed. Uh, a little bit. Uh, there's still yeah, not so much in coed two. In coed two, I see a lot of returning teams. Uh, I'm more interested in seeing. Uh, uh, I think they were hungry hippos, if I'm not mistaken. Um, one of the quarterbacks uh, for the Volts in the women's division of last, yeah, it's this team, um, Marilyn Fossenzi. Uh, I always say that name wrong. Does, do either of you know how to pronounce that last name? No, we'll get that corrected. Yeah. Pease is actually pretty good at, at pronouncing it. But uh, So she's maybe 18, 19, 20-year-old. Uh, a quarterback, uh, very very young. I, I'm I'm interested to seeing how she uh, raises her level of play uh, now, playing with you know some more experienced, more veteran players in in coed. Uh, our coed uh, has been going strong for what are they eight eight seasons? Eight yeah, years it's, it's, now? it exploded in the fall cup. Yeah, it exploded in the fall cup. With the so I I, I want to see how her team and the uh, the hippos do. All right, uh, women's women's. Wait, 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 last thing oh. for la- for uh, tier. Th- Three yes. co-ed. Yes. Uh, is this a year La Sect has a, a winning record, or do you see another team being the one that so comes we'll out So put ahead? the line at four and a half, and they'll be over four and a half for wins. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can definitely see them getting five wins. Uh, the Fast and Not Furious number three team is 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 strong. Uh, I believe Alex Noel is is throwing in that division uh, or on that team. Sorry. Uh, so they they definitely kind of have a, a head start over everyone else. Uh, but I think teams against uh, for La Sect playing teams like uh, Paquer, Sneaky Snakes, uh, even Michael Scott's thoughts. That's really around their alley. Uh, so Mo four and a half. I like that line. I'm yeah. going on the over. I'm going on the over as well with yeah. them to get uh, f- get at least five for sure. Yeah. Okay, women's. This this is the most uh, fascinating, compelling. Uh, women's divisions we've had. We have two. 25 teams, Mo. 25 <laughs> Holy teams. crap. Man. Compelling and I'm honest. super excited, honestly. Yeah, this is going to be compelling here. Um, I wish they were playing, you know, in Bras or in Lachine in Heber. Unfortunately, they're playing, well, they're playing at Papano, which is a much warmer complex than it is at the other spots here. That's but not why they're playing there. It's just that's this the way the schedule week we have. Yeah, exactly. That's how the schedule broke. All right. Um, this tier one of women's. If you want to use that term tier one or the higher end of women's. Yeah. 
this is like a death row. This is like the SEC of, yeah. of, of football here. This is going to be a meat grinder. And I don't think there's a legit favorite that can win. I don't think anyone's going 10-0. No. 9-1, maybe? Perhaps. 8-2 is the is the is is that sweet spot, I think, for this division to win. So nobody makes a bowl game because they lose two games. Well, no, the new expanded playoff of the CEFB, it's different. But no, uh, no, but obviously eight teams make the playoffs. That's something we want to make sure so no one gets confused by Eagles uh, off. Our, I'm doing an SEC reference. Yes. Our Bleu Pou, last year's women's uh, winner over Le Bleu, are they the favorite I think going the in? Favorites, yeah, I think those two teams are the favorites. I'm curious how Vortex does, Bruce, yep. well. Yep. Um, UQTR is in this division. Uh, and I think we see a lot of carrier from, from the university flag football teams yep. playing, infiltrating to this league, which is great, and in, in that level of quality play that we'll have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, teams like the Bees, we don't know yet, but we will definitely find out who they are in the coming weeks here. But I think your raps are Le Bleu and Le Bleu Poudre are going to be the two teams that we'll be watching out for. And Montreal U, the Carabin, this is a team that I have followed on Instagram mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. their flag football seasons that they've gone through. And they have won a bunch of tournaments along the way here. So I, I think University of Montreal is going to be one to watch out for as well what they do this season. The bees are Concordia stingers. And and that's going to be the circle, right? Like we that's always Sarah Parker. Uh, we've we've anointed Sarah Parker as being like the Connor Bedard of, of women's football. And uh, Vanessa Beery wouldn't like a word. Yes, yeah, she definitely would. But but no, uh, and, and jokes aside here, uh this is a situation for the bees where do they finally put it together and win? Because you look at Le Bleu, and that's what I'm going to say. Le Bleu was the team I was referring to, right. watching their Instagram stories all right. throughout the spring and summer into the yeah. fall. Yes. Uh, they yeah. ran. They ran through everything. Emma Racine's back fully healthy. Oh, which, yeah, oh, yeah. that's big. That's oh, oh, wow. She's great. She's a stud and a oh, half. Oh, wow. Oh, I love watching her play. She's awesome. She's, okay, she's on the team. Wow, she's on Le Bleu. And, Ooh, and oh, I like that. I'm like, I'm liking that team. Then, Ooh. yeah, this is a team that I am quite fascinated by. To see what they do this year. So, a lot of storylines, compelling storylines that I look forward to, and we all look forward to covering this year for this division. And on to women's two, whereas Eagle made the point before, we have 25 teams in total. Wow. And in this division alone, we have 14 outright. And I think we see a more of a, a balanced attack here of what we have. And I'm curious to see how some of these teams do. And look, Red Nation is an established team, so do they run this division? I'm not sure. You know, uh, we, we, We've had the same conversation about them playing against better competition, that they don't play up to that level, but they play down to the competition. So we don't know. We don't know how this is going to be for this division here, but it's going to be fun to watch, though. And keep in mind, this division has the University of Arizona inside it, Phoenix, yeah, nice, okay. nice, okay. great, wow, fantastic. And, uh, because and the funny <laughs> thing is, <laughs> the University of Arizona is actually in Tucson, <laughs> yes. which is close to the Mexican border, Arizona-Mexican go- border. Where are you going with this? I'm just saying, from a geography perspective, you want to refer to Arizona State University, which is in Tempe, which is essentially a suburb of Phoenix. Tempe. So, your Cavaliers are are in coed and women. That's like that's like a joke that I would say. Not P. Not. That's a joke that Eagle would say. That's something yeah, I would say. Yeah, you guys were being too serious. I had to throw something into there. Yeah. Jesus. And also, we have the Carabay team in Division One, but in Division Two, we have the Carababes. Cool. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Great name. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. It is. You know, I'm intrigued to see what this happens. You know, uh, and yeah, like VC Cubs, is that is that uh, is is that the Vanier flag? You no, know, there's so many yeah. questions that we have that we can't wait for them to be answered in the coming weeks here, but. It, it might be a war with this division here and who, who can win this. And it's going to be fascinating to see going towards the roadshow because I believe – is that is that schedule now confirmed that they'll be in the roadshow uh, this year, Eagle? Is that My sh- understanding is yes, um, but I haven't had dates confirmed Okay, yet. fair enough then because uh, it'll be fun for everyone to see them at that platform. Uh, I know we had their, their finals separate from the roadshow outright, but – in the winter, in yeah. In the winter of last year. It was it was a scheduling thing with university schedules. Right, exactly. Or, but hopefully it's now aligned where now they get the proper spotlight of the actual roadshow, which would be fun to have for them to get uh, this season if that's the case to be. All right. It is now time for... 
not games of the week, Hall of Fame. Um, to give everyone some context in terms of what this is, so Flag Plus Football has a Hall of Fame where every year we induct nominees based off of uh, achievement in and success in the league, not only in the highest divisions, but across all the divisions. So that could be mid to lower division, could be co-ed, could be 35 plus in theory. Uh, women's definitely is coming up as we have people that are going to become eligible. We also have staff inductees and referee inductees for exceptional achievement and uh, career standing. Okay. So, Sorry, before you go, before we unveil it, can we, can we unveil it from the lowest percentage to the highest percentage? I mean, I got to show the graphic. So that's And the graphics, no. all of them at once? Is it all at once or we're doing one at a time? No, we're doing wait, I mean I'm gonna show all of them. We can talk about them one at a time, but the picture will be everyone. Oh, so it's not it's like hey, up next is it won't no, be that. So, no, we're not okay, doing cool. That. No, we're drama. Um, drama. now this year, so we took a little hiatus on Hall of Fame over the pandemic years, as they'll call it, just because the seasons were all weird and nobody was really making progress because seasons weren't complete, etc. And so we took a little break. We brought it back at the end of last year, and so the way it works is the entire community, uh, staff, existing Hall of Fame members, and community all vote on uh, who they think is to be inducted. That's off of a short list. In order to be on that short list, not only do you need to be exceptional, you also have to have 20 seasons worth of playtime in uh, the league. A season is winter, spring, fall. So if you're playing six teams in this winter, it only counts for one season. So sorry, doesn't work that way. And this year is also a little bit of a hybrid list because our previous list had some people on it, and then we upped the uh, requirements this time around. So we kind of grandfathered in a few people who didn't actually hit the 20-season eligibility, but we felt de still deserved to be on the short list of the, the nominees, essentially. Quasar Gordon Mall waiting for his uh, name on that list. All right. Yeah, just, yeah. He wasn't on the original list, and he wasn't eligible for this no, one. that's so. right. So uh, all right. Anyway, so we had 40 people. Yeah. Of the 40, you need to get a f at least 5% of the weighted votes. So what that means is community, staff, and Hall of Fame members all vote. There's different weighting distributions for each one of them based on the percentage for votes of first place to 10th place. And then off of that, we sum up all the votes. We percentage how many you get. We weigh them. So you need at least 5%, which, if you think about it, is pretty crazy about how six people are being... Uh, inducted this year for our 2022 class, totaling, and I didn't do the actual math, I'm going to do it quickly, somewhere around 45% of the vote. Is that possible here, if I did if I do this properly? Uh, I'll do it right now. About 40-something percent, yeah. Yeah, about that. Let me, I'll do it quickly. But 41. 41%, about 43%. Uh, 43.4, uh, 43.8, rather. So 44% yeah. of all our votes went for these top six members. So it's pretty substantial when we yeah. think about it and that the community is very much aligned in terms of these are the top of the top of the top okay let's unveil the class of 2022 here we go also we have one staff and one referee yes <laughs> that's true do i have a drum roll i do Whee! i didn't hear the drum roll it's there oh, okay all right so for the players, AJ Gomes, Isaiah Lard, Chris Miard, Mike Pearson, Julian Paymont, Phil Culler, staff inductee, Brent Bakken, and for the officials for the referee inductee, Stephen Donald. And this is your class of 2022 Hall of Fame inductees. Congratulations to these guys. Gentlemen, your thoughts. What do you feel about uh, two rushers being in there, Mokon? Actually, three if you think about it, because technically Isaiah, I'm um, Chris Millard yeah. also. Used oh, to really? Rush. Chris really? Used to rush, oh, yeah. wow, cool. Uh, I think. Look, I think I voted for all of these players, so I'm in total agreement uh, with uh, with with the decisions here and the, and how the voting came down. I think uh, Eagle, someone, JD Chevalier was just off the list. Yeah, uh, I think he had 4.7%, oh. so he was super close, which is actually, again, crazy, I, I, right? I might have imagine... screwed him over. I might have put it like a 1 instead of a 9. <laughs> My bad. Sorry about that, JD. Uh, yeah, look, all, all obviously great Hall of Fame, obviously now Hall of Fame careers. Um, yeah, I mean, well, what what else is there to say? Uh, shout out to Mike Pierson. Uh, yeah, on my it's, team. it's it's the I think it's for the players, it's a very distinguished group of players. They've all had impacts in their ways of of different positions, like Mike Pierson being a snapper, 
Chris yeah. Mayer being a general player because he's played all over the football field. Pay Mall being a rusher. AJ Gomes being a, a two-way stalwart. Yeah. Uh, Phil Culler primarily as a quarterback, more or less, and he came off an ACL injury years ago. Crazy, yeah. And so I think I think that's the one that is. I mean, granted, everyone on this list is very impressive. I think Phil Cutler is the one where his rise to success yeah. took many years to get there, but now we consider him a top quarterback in the upper divisions and everything. And yeah. if I said that, maybe what? three to five years ago, I don't think you would have agreed with me in the same way. Um, like uh, what I'll say is pre-pandemic. I mean, I think they were on their way up, but I don't, I think there's really been the last few years where his game has been stepped up. And uh, I think that's the one that is, I'm happy to see uh, on this list for sure. Granted, everyone else is really good. I mean, Isaiah Lard's one-handed picks from the rusher position <laughs> times like five times a year type of thing. Julien Pemont putting pressure, but also playing receiver on all the top teams going from, the finest rosters to the brave rosters to the KTP rosters. AJ Gomes putting up highlight reel after highlight reel. Uh, Chris yeah. Meyer just being a dominant force and everything. And, and Mike Persane being as solid as ever and the backbone behind that that Braves team. And, so and, no and, one here yeah. is undeserving. That's for sure. Yeah, and all the championships that that come with it, right? Like these guys. You think of these guys. You you think championships. When I yeah. say when I think of championship, I think of Brent Bakken. <laughs> I mean. So Brent Bodkin, to his credit, has been on the nomination list for staff for, I think, like six years now. That's crazy. And every year, he's been (laughs) usurped by someone, and that includes myself, that includes (laughs) CM Calethrith, that includes Rahan Sarwar, that includes Pease Delores, I think Simon Dejnay also is on that list, like Lance Daniel. So it's... It's about time that yeah, Brent gets his, his credit here. Yes, He's bailed us out I don't know how many times yeah. in moments where we absolutely needed him and absolutely. has done a great job. I know I've always uh, been much more uh, critical of Brent and a lot of the staff, and so I'm happy to see him finally make it yeah, in. And Stephen so. Donald, a referee who's been here since day one of FPI. Literally day one. Uh, gets in, and uh, you know, it's, I know the referees get a lot of flack from the players and I know the last couple of years have been a little bit lean in terms of the um, depth of referees, but Stephen Donald has been a man who stepped up to the plate numerous times and that's has done solid. A, a, a solid job being respected by all divisions across. So the communicates five. really well. I think that's the thing. Like yeah. as a player, you know, not every referee is going to get every call right. I mean, I think that's an unfair expectation. For sure. But uh, um, Steve is one of those guys where if he gets a call wrong, he'll tell you in the moment. Like, and I he'll tell it. you if you messed up. He'll yeah. explain yeah. what's happening, yes. what he saw, yes. how you know the things. He'll give you options to make sure you understand what you know what the what the best option is for you in that moment and everything. So. Yeah, just kudos to him. And also, bilingual. I mean, uh, I know I'm going to make a big deal out of this, but some of our referees struggle in both languages. Yeah. He is excellent in both and everything. Yep, exactly. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, they get what, a plaque? Or what do they get now? They get a post on the website. Oh, don't get a pl- I got a plaque. Did oh, you? I got a plaque, yeah. I don't know where it is. Somewhere in my house. How many years ago? It was years ago, but we got a plaque for that one. Uh, okay, before we sign off here. I didn't get a plaque. I won't say who, but someone in my Hall of Fame class was like gun ho because back then Darren Basmajan, who was the originator of this whole thing, uh, did one on one interviews, and oh, that person, <laughs> that person was so excited to have his interview be done. It never happened that he was oh my god, he was on cloud nine. Anyway, another story for another day. Cool. All right, so that does it for this episode. Here we will have. Now I got to go find who it was. I'll tell you. I'll tell you off air. All right, uh, next oh, week we're back in, so it's gonna be. Uh, Eagle is off. It's going to be Peasy and I, along with Iggy, who will be in the control position. You're lucky I'm here. I'm leaving on Saturday. I know. Massive. Massive. Actually, wait. Wrong one. This one. We're not doing games of the week. I was like, wait a minute. No, no, No. not until next week. All right. So we will be back, but then we're going to have a rotation of where it's going to be Eagle, Iggy, Peasy, or Peasy, Eagle, and I. I know I'm going to miss a few dates here. I think I missed three or four of them, I think, during the red season. I don't know what it is. Anyway. But we'll have three people here in studio in the shipping container so with that we're done episode zero in the books thanks for tuning in expect one of these once a week every friday morning uh definitely feel free to subscribe to our channel so you have the notifications and check the bell to make sure you get it if you don't want to watch us i get it mo's not that pretty you can check us out on spotify too so go ahead and go there or any of the other podcast services that you use uh calling the audible is what you're looking for and uh, again, episodes every Friday morning. Magic words, please. From all of us here at the Weekly Extra Point Life. Uh, good night, Michigan and Ohio State. Okay. <laughs>